What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> ECW World Heavyweight Champion. The ECW. When you want to load down a professional wrestling, come right here to the two-man power trip of wrestling. You'll get all the load down. <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the, on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. It just You said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. but Chad and John, the two-man power trip. That's, uh, that's an awesome uh, name for yourselves. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Scotty Riggs, and you're listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you. Thank you. Hear me. Fear me. What's going on, guys? This is a 7-foot, 330-pound DNA of TNA. That's right. My DNA is outer space. And you're listening to the two-man power trip of professional wrestling. You know, I, I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know 10 times more than I do. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling brought to you today and powered by the return of Spartacon. On Saturday, August 13th and Sunday, August 14th, get on over to the Blue Crab Stadium in Waldorf, Maryland for the only dedicated Spartacus fan convention in the United States, complete with live-action gladiator battles inside the arena, exclusive celebrity meet-and-greets with the stars of Spartacus, and so many more unique events. Like I said, head on over to RedSerpents.com for more information on this amazing event, and please stay tuned a little bit later on in the show for the special promotion where you can win the ultimate Spartacon 2 fan gift package courtesy of our friends over at RedSerpents.com and Spartacon number 2. And if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, Primetime John Paz. And John, today on the show, we're joined by a former NXT superstar, a guy who made his name in the original run of NXT before it absolutely blew up and became one of the hottest things in professional wrestling. You know him now as Bull James, but in NXT, you knew him as the last of a dying breed, Bull Dempsey. And Bull joins the show coming off what has been a pretty successful departure of WWE, which came last year 
in a very shocking manner. And John, this is an episode where you were able to go deep inside the world of Bull James and find out all the reasons why the departure may have happened and also all the, the just very good and very positive things that Bull was able to accomplish by being a part of that NXT roster. But John, as I welcome you in here, why don't you tell us a little bit more about Bull and give us a background on a guy that I still have a feeling we have yet to hear the best of. Yes, Chad, back here again for another awesome episode at the two-man power trip of wrestling. Today we bring in former NXT superstar Bull Dempsey, a.k.a. Bull James. He's the last of a dying breed, and this was a really, really fun one. I got to do this one solo, um, which was you know, a hell of a lot of fun to do, obviously. Chad, you were kind of behind the scenes that day, but anyway, as I uh, talk about Bull a little bit here... The interview was just some really, really great stuff, like you would expect. We talked a lot about NXT. We talked a lot about the Performance Center, all the trainers down there, it being Triple H's baby. A lot of great stuff about the WWE and everything that has to do with NXT. But we really wanted to delve a little bit deeper, and we do talk about what he's up to now. We talk about his past, which uh, he has a funny little joke about it. Uh, He doesn't want to go to goes back he's only moving forward but you know he's making a funny little joke there about it but with nxt in particular when you think about nxt think about his run there and how it had so much promise he wasn't the typical wb guy where you're like oh look at him you know uh, you know like baron corbin huge guy that you're just going to push automatically because of his size and his look he had an old school look to him he's got an old school flavor to him and i love that they were pushing him because it was something different from them and their normal path that they normally push the guys and I feel like that's kind of in the vein of where they're going now with pull, uh, pushing uh, Finn Balor and pushing Kevin Owens and Samoa Joe, obviously. But, you know, then they do the silly bullfit gimmick, and we get some awesome stories about the bullfit gimmick. And it was very interesting to find out that he really didn't hate that gimmick, and he kind of uh, equated it to something they gave him that was possibly bad, that he turned into good, maybe a rib turn into something that was fun you know it's something like that it's almost like we talk about a little bit with the dusty roads and the polka dots and what he was able to turn that into and being such a big fan favorite regardless of the polka dots so bullfit was actually getting over and we do talk in depth about the character what he did with the uh, the gimmicks what he did with uh, you know his bullfit attire if you will uh, we get into the bull dempsey gimmick obviously you know the bull 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 and, and his undefeated streak and all that fun stuff but of course we talk to the talked to him about the shocking release he was shocked by it i was shocked by it you know it came out of nowhere there was no real reason for it so that's a great story that we get into and this is just a really really fun interview and bull's a great guy with a great attitude and you can kind of see why he's so successful out there on the indie scene going right now yeah and his run on the indie scene since he departed wwe has been very successful And actually, we got a chance to speak with Bull directly at a couple shows over the last couple of months and kind of uh, get to know him around the ring. And he's been traveling all over the world. I wouldn't even just say in the United States. He was telling me about going to Australia and traveling to England. And he's really really been able to explore what's been out there in that post-WWE life, which I think a lot of guys, when they get that release, and sometimes they don't really know what they're going to do. But Bull really took the... 
bull by the horns and just made it all about being a success and where he was going to take his career from here. And obviously he's not done yet, but John, some of those matches on the indie scene that he's done have been pretty standout and he's released, you know, a little list of what his favorites have been. And like I said earlier, I just don't think we've seen uh, all that bull has to offer. And some of these matches he's had on the indie scene have been pretty much uh, as good as advertised. And since he is a big guy, you might think, Oh, he's limited or, Oh, he might not be able to do so much, but he adapts to so many different styles and can work really with anybody you put him in the ring with. And I think that's something that is needed on a, in a very big way on the independent scene when you leave the WWE, because you never know. And it's kind of, uh, I think the tone of the interview, you may end up back where you came from. Yeah. And speaking of the indie scene and his run on the Indies, we get to a lot of this great stuff that he's been doing. Great matches. He just had one for WrestlePro a couple weeks ago against Kevin Thorne, a.k.a. Kevin Fertig, which was a real barn burner. And they, they literally tore the house down uh, quite physically, which was great. Great match on the indie scene against Tyson Dukes, Tony Nice, Billy Gunn, Sammy Callahan. I mean, he just kind of shows you maybe I uh, shouldn't have been released. You know, he's just showing you what he's capable of, and he's able to have good matches with all different types of wrestlers, no matter age, size, style, no matter what, Bull is able to pull it off. And I think that has to do with his training in the business, and that's why he's become so good. We go in-depth on his relationship with Taz, what he thinks of Taz, what Taz taught him in the business, which was great stuff, because uh, if anybody uh, is not that familiar with Taz, just uh, check him out on the old YouTube fantastic wrestler in his prime and bull pulls a lot of stuff from taz which is really cool out of the forearms and, and the physical nature which is great and then you throw in bull's relationship with matt Bourne, who is one of his trainers matt absolutely one of the most underrated wrestlers of all time i absolutely love matt Bourne watching him wrestle so we go in depth to that relationship that friendship that mentorship if you will so really really cool stuff on taz really really cool stuff on matt Bourne. And you know what? I said it, you know, in the interview, going to say it again. He should be brought back to WB. He has so much to offer, and he was gone from there way too soon and really without reason. So I'm hoping that Bull, and I think he will, will end up back in WB fairly, fairly soon. Yeah, we definitely hope for Bull's sake that he does get back to the WWE because he's a very passionate wrestling enthusiast and he definitely has a lot more to offer wwe than what he did before and i know we already said that he did love the bull fit gimmick but i really think if he adapts back to that monster you know killer unlike anybody else that they had you know in that size and his look i think that it would be such a, a benefit to the nxt roster and then eventually that wwe main roster where he could really infiltrate and cause a lot of havoc and we want to thank Bull for finally able getting together with us, and we got this done. It was taking a long time, and my apologies for not being a part of this interview. There was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, as you said, John, and I uh, did enjoy listening to it. You did a great job, as always. And we want to thank Bull so much for coming on, and we also want to remind you that the 200th episode is slowly approaching this coming August 12th. The guests will be revealed very, very soon. And we want to remind you that the Spartacon gift package is still, it is out there. And if you can send to us who your favorite all-time guest is of the two-man power trip of wrestling, you will automatically be entered to win the ultimate Spartacon fan gift package. 
courtesy of our friends over at Spartacon, who, of course, are today's gracious and humble sponsors of the two-man power trip, and that it comes back. Spartacon 2, yes, indeed, August 13th and 14th in Waldorf, Maryland. It's the most exciting Rebel convention you're ever going to be a part of, complete with gladiator battles inside the arena, Legion instructors, stuntmen and stunt coordinators, CrossFit trainers. You never know what you're going to find at the one and only Spartacus fan convention in the United States. And it is Spartacon 2. And like I said, it is August 13th and 14th in Waldorf, Maryland. Get on over to RedSerpents.com for more information and stay tuned for the announcement on episode number 200, who wins that Spartacon fan gift package, courtesy of our good friends over at Spartacon. And John, with all that being said, hit him with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business and get it on over to Bull James. And now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Wrestling Pal and at Two Man Power Trip. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, please subscribe to us on iTunes. While you're there, check out the feed for some past legendary episodes with the late great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, Stan the Lariat Hansen, WB's lead attorney Jerry McDivitt. Sergeant Slaughter, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, The Total Package, Lex Luger, Road Warrior Animal, The Phenomenal AJ Styles, The WWE World Champion Dean Ambrose, and so, so, so many more. Also, you can check us out weekly on Wrestling Inc. Yes, that's WrestlingInc.com. Check us out over there. Also, check out our website, TMPTOfWrestling.com. That is TMPTOfWrestling.com. Also, while you're surfing the net, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. We have a site on there. And also, Buff Bagwell has a page. Kevin Thorne has a page. Tito Santana has a page. And so does Mr. Wonderful Paul Ondorf. So please check out ProWrestlingTees.com and buy the shirts. And now, without any further ado, a former NYWC World Tag Team Champion, he is the last of a dying breed, he is Bull Fit, he is former NXT superstar Bull Dempsey, but we know him as Bull, 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 Bull James. Please enjoy. have a former NXT superstar. He is the last of a dying breed. He's also a former NYWSC tag team champion. You may know him as Bull Dempsey. We now know him as Bull James. Bull, welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Thanks for having me, guys. Now, first thing I got to talk about, because last Saturday night you had a hell of a war down in uh, my home state of New Jersey. You had a great match with the big man, uh, Kevin Thorne, a.k.a. Kevin Furtick. How do you feel about that match over at WrestlePro, and how do you think everything went? Uh, well, I have about four different parts of my body that are about six different colors, thanks to old <laughs> Kevin. But, uh, no, it, it, you know, it's our first time having a match together. It's our first time wrestling Kevin. 
Um, I'm actually, I think we we just actually met officially like a couple months back at uh, House of Hardcore. And I think, um, I think he's definitely an underrated and underutilized talent. I think he should be working for a lot more bigger companies than I think he is right now. And I think he, the fact that he doesn't get booked a lot is a, a miscarriage of justice in our business. But he's, he's an awesome dude and uh, definitely a tough son bitch. So I think he should be getting a lot more work. That is uh, definitely, definitely true. How do you feel being back, you know, back on the indie scene, kind of, um, you know, working the old, uh, you know, not the territory, so to speak, but, you know, you're, you literally get booked everywhere. I'm talking about, you know, Australia, the U.K., everywhere. But you're basically, you know, quote, unquote, back on the indie scene. How do you feel about working the independence? I love it, man. You know, I get to be with my buddies again and have, have a good time. Not that, I, you know, I don't have friends at WWE. You know, I still talk to a lot of guys at NXT and, um, I support them fully and cheer them on and especially, you know, guys and girls getting drafted, but people that I worked closely with for a long time and every day. And I think, um, they're just starting their careers really, you know, NXT obviously was a huge thing and is, is a huge thing, but you know, they're really just getting started. So it's cool to see and cool to be able to watch, you know, and, uh, but as far as the Indies go, just being back out here and being around my buddies and my friends and getting to meet all the fans, it's, it's really a lot of fun. And like you said, I get to go and, travel the world and it's on my own terms. I don't have really necessarily like a, a set schedule during the day. So now, you know, instead of being in Australia and having to do a million different things, I get to go and pet koala bears and hang out with some kangaroos. So it was pretty cool. You know, it's cool about the independency now and doing a lot of the stuff is it's not like it was years ago where it's kind of like doom and gloom. It's like, Oh, I'm headed back. seems like now all the indie promotions, you know, they all have ramps. They all have great lights. They usually all have good crowds. It seems like, do you feel like it's different from when you were working the indie scene years ago to when you're working the indie scene now? Um, I think it's it's different. Yeah, I don't know if it was necessarily ever doom and gloom because as long as you have some sort of star power or something, you know, some sort of t- TV penetration, there's always going to be work for you. And um, But I think now as far as the talent that's out there, uh, there are a lot of talented guys out there on the indie scene now, and it's a lot of – a lot of matches that not just the fans want to see, but the guys coming off of WWE or wherever they, you know, wherever they may be, you know, now they want to be involved in that match. They want to wrestle this guy and kind of prove, you know, that they can hang with the guys that are up and coming now, you know, it keeps everybody hungry. It is very refreshing to go out on the Indies and, and see all these, you know, quote unquote dream matches. Like you said, you never faced Kev before and you, you get to have a, a great match with him where you, know, you guys are rolling all over the place. Has there been any matches on the Indies thing where you're just, you know, just like taking it back, so, wow! You know that was that was amazing because I know you faced you know like the, the Billy Guns of the world and the Gangrels. Any matches that really stick out to you on your uh, your indie run? I think um, you know we we need to take take a step back as wrestlers sometimes and realize that every match we have could be our last. So if you can't take something positive away from every match, then you're doing it wrong. But um, I would definitely say you know obviously like you said, my match with Billy Gunn um, for House of Hardcore. Uh, to be kind of just to prove myself to Billy, like Billy and I worked closely together in NXT, but just to kind of, you know, it's different when you get in there and you, you actually slug it out a little bit, and, you know, to be able to go in there and hang with him and kind of prove that, Hey, I did pick up on some things and you did teach me well and I can hang, it, you know, it's, it's good personally as well as professionally for me. Um, and I've, you know, I've been afforded a lot of opportunities with house of hardcore and I got Tommy dreamer to thank for that. Um, Wrestling Eddie Kingston a couple times for him was uh, something I wanted to do for a long time, and I was finally able to do it. 
And also, you know, recently you had an NWA title match, which is pretty cool to say if you, if you think about it, you know, in the annals of history. But Jack Stain, that big monster, you enjoyed, you know, going out there and, and, and you know, not reliving like some of the past days or saying the NWA is back in. But isn't that kind of cool? Like, you know, you had an NWA title shot. Well, it may be a lot cooler if I was talking to you now as the NWA champion. But, yeah, no, I mean, you know, Jack's, <laughs> Jack's a, hell of a hell of a wrestler and, um, you know, the – Oklahoma show itself was was really awesome to be you know down there with you know like uh, Billy again and uh, being there you know it's funny me and Billy get booked on a lot of stuff together now so it's cool that we're still kind of you know hanging out all the time um, but like Kevin Nash and X Pac and Jr running the show was, was really really cool and Jim Cornette and the Rock and Roll Express Chris Masters Travel Guerrero all these guys being around the same place you know and then Mickey James and just being around all these talented people is really, really awesome for me. And it keeps me hungry because, you know, you want to always try to stay a step ahead of everybody else. So it's cool. Absolutely. And then you think about your relationship with Billy Gunn. Did you learn a lot of stuff kind of under his tutelage as him being your mentor for a little bit there? Well, I mean, I don't think you can be around Billy and not learn something with everything that he's done in the business, you know. Um, But that goes for every single coach that's down there, you know. Uh, a guy like Norman Smiley, I was pretty much married to for the first eight months of my NXT run. Um, Robbie Brookside doesn't get the credit he deserves for how much passion he has for the industry. Terry Taylor is one of the most brilliant minds I've ever been around. And I find myself now more than ever, if I do seminars and stuff, reaching into my Terry Taylor handbook, you know. Um, and then guys like Billy and people like uh, Sarah Amato, Sarah Del Rey, and Sarah Stock and Adam Pierce. Um, Matt Bloom and Bill DeMott, you know, were both the two guys that were that ran the ship at different points during my tenure there. Um, Matt Wichlinski's strength coach, like it, just everybody that was there, Ryan Katz running creative and being around Dusty Rhodes, like the fact that I could sit here and name those names and I know that I took away every possible thing I could from every one of those people. Um, I'm proud of that, you know, and I'm I'm grateful for that, and it, it's something I wish everybody could get, but at the same time, maybe not everybody deserves to deserves it. But um, I'm very grateful that I got to be around all those people. Definitely a great, you know, teaching program down there, and they got a lot of great guys. But do you have a good Dusty story? Because we love talking about Dusty on this show, especially. Do you have a good uh, story with uh, the American Dream? Um, I, I, like, I don't know. I get, I get asked that a lot, and my thing is being around Dusty – was a dusty story in itself <laughs> just cause he was so entertaining and just so he's such an iconic figure in our industry to be around him every day and to learn from him and sit under his learning tree is um, it's something that I miss. And it's something that um, I will always cherish. Like I, there's no one particular story that, you know, I could just tell it's just his overall essence of being like who he was and the stuff that would come out of his mouth, man. It just, you can't, I don't know, you can't put a price on it, on that kind of knowledge. Dusty, one of the greatest ever, without a doubt. And we've had so many guys on this show talk about, you know, promo class and how great Dusty Rhodes' promo class was. Do you have any, you know, good memories of doing that promo class? And were you in that promo class for a long period of time? Well, yeah, I mean, I was I was in that promo class, you know, until from the time I got there until the day that, that Dusty unfortunately passed away. And, um, I think if you can't take anything away from that, from that class, like if, if you were in that class, you didn't take anything away from it, then shame on you. 
you know, like I said, you can learn something from every single person that's in a position to teach you something in that building because that's what they're there for. If I could rewind just a little bit and just ask, how did you actually get signed by WWE? How did you actually end up down there in NXT? I was booked as an extra for Raw and SmackDown, and uh, William Regal and Scott Armstrong um, watched me work out before SmackDown, and they both took a big liking to me, uh, as well as Arn Anderson, and later on Fit Finley. And I think, it, but I think it was really um, Regal and Scott Armstrong who went to bat for me as far as getting me a tryout and um, and really going above and beyond of, you know, put my name in there and getting me in the mix and getting me in the tryout. And then I did the tryout, and then from that I was signed. And who was your tryout against? No, I had to go down to FCW in Tampa. Oh, for oh it wasn't an actual – oh, I thought you meant tryout match. Oh, so you actually went down to one of the tryout camps. Yeah. So what was that like? What was that experience like for you? Uh, the hardest three days of my life, physically and mentally, but um, I'm glad that I did it because I see a lot of guys now that, that say that they want to get to that level, but I know deep down – you know, they they really have to work a lot harder than they are. And to know that I was able to do it and conquer it, and then on top of that, succeed in that company for almost three years, I'm proud of that. And it makes me prouder. It keeps me hungry knowing that I could go and do it again. And there's guys that say that they can and can't. Awesome to be able to, you know, go out there, accomplish it, and then get signed by it. But not only that, get some praise from a guy like Orrin Anderson or Regal or Finley. I mean, it's just uh, you know, crazy to think that. So after the, you know, after the tryout, you did well. Who ends up, you know, ultimately saying, "Hey, we're going to hire you"? Is that a guy like Johnny H? Is that who you hear from? Uh, yeah, you hear from the talent relations people. Um, I know that um, later on, talking to Jerry Briscoe, um, who I is another person who uh, obviously gets credit in our industry for being as great as he was, but as a human being, is just so much fun to be around. And Jerry later on told me like that he was he he really knew I was going to get signed, but he couldn't say anything and it bothered him because he wanted to tell me so bad and be the one to tell me. But um, yeah, it's, it's talent relations. It gives you the phone call and kind of lets you know, yay or nay. So is that uh, basically Canyon or is this just like a kind of a guy that nobody's really heard of? Uh, for me it was, but it just, it depends on schedules or, you know, where the talent relations people are, you know, in the world that day. Yeah, you know, so it's about you know 2013 or so. You get signed and you go down to the performance center. What was your first thoughts of this, you know, basically new facility that they were going to put out there and really, really step up their game as far as development? Well, I mean, the facility itself is amazing. You walk in, obviously, you're intimidated, but you know, you're there to to do a job to to provide a service. You know, you're there to to work, and if you walk in there and you let the, you know the awe of that facility take over you, then you're never going to survive there. You know, you have to treat it like business as usual. Like you have to also keep in mind that you're very lucky to walk through that door every day, but you know, to, to just walk in there and kind of just gaze at everything. Like you can't do that. You got to know that you're showing up there to work and it becomes very clear, very quick that you're there to work. And obviously, you know, it does seem a little intimidating because, you know, you watch the specials on the WWE Network and everything, and you see it almost looks like a football facility almost with all the different things you can do there, the gyms and everything else. 
do you think it was kind of modeled a little bit from the, you know, from like the football field, you know, as as far as training and strength and conditioning and stuff like that? Well, it was modeled from every major state-of-the-art facility out there. You know, there was a lot of research that went into building the performance center to make it the best state-of-the-art facility out there for any sport. And I think they did a hell of a job with that. I mean, just the, the stuff that they do at the performance center, they just did an all access event today, I think. And, you know, they're always doing, they're always doing things like that. Now it's growing and expanding and, you know, who knows, maybe there'll be another performance center somewhere else. I wouldn't, uh, you know, I wouldn't doubt that. I can definitely, definitely see that happening down the road. Cause it seems like, you know, they're almost not becoming, they're international, but it almost seems like they're going to have one pop up internationally as well. But, when you're down there and you're in NXT, oh, you never know, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know you're down in you know NXT and and you know, you're basically you're waiting to get on NXT TV. Who comes up with the the name and the gimmick of Bull Dempsey? Well, I mean, it wasn't even a gimmick. It was you know what I've been doing for years. Um, I came up with the name, and there I don't you know. Here's the thing, like. In that situation, nobody, I don't think there's anybody down there that is waiting to get put on TV. I think everybody down there is, is working to get themselves on TV. And if you're not, then, again, shame on you. You don't belong there. Um, you know, you should always be pitching something or always trying to do something to stand out to make people recognize you and go, hey, like, we should put this guy on TV or this girl. And you just get, you know, have to look at everything from a proactive standpoint. Was there you know, something behind the name, like what did, why, like why Bull and why Dempsey? Why did you decide to choose those names? Um, I don't remember off the top of my head. I just remember that thought I had like a whole list of different names and I put those two together and I'm like, oh, that sounds kind of cool. And then just kind of went with it from there. It's funny looking at you. You, you know, you look like a bull. It actually fits. And the theme music they put with you just went perfectly. Do you ever, you know, while you're there, are you ever just, like, shocked at, at their production value and what they're able to do? Like, you know, they get one thing and all of a sudden you have perfect theme music to go along with your look. Do you ever get surprised by their production? Well, I, mean, I don't think, I mean, yes and no. You can't be surprised by it because it's that awesome and that good. And so are the people that do it. Um, you know, I remember uh, it was uh, Brandon came, the guy named Brandon, does production. he used to do production for the company. He came up with the song. Um, the chance, like in the beginning, was my idea, but he kind of just took a vision I had and he ran with it, and he did such a hell of a job. And it's just cool to be able to work with people like that hand in hand because it makes you like they're so creative that it makes you be creative. I could see that, and it's great what they're able to do with, with so much. You know, they they can make these great theme songs, they make these great entrances, and make these great videos. But it's you, the performer, that has to go out there and do it. So you're you know you're coming along and, and you're getting a push. How did you feel when they first put you on TV? You were kind of a tweener role, and you then, you know, eventually you, you, you were winning a lot of squash matches. Is that kind of where you saw, you know, your character kind of going in that direction, where you, you know, you're kind of going to be that monster? Um, I, I could say yes, but I, at the same time, like I don't know. It's just kind of, I just do my thing, you know, and people kind of take to it and react to it however they however they want, and I, I react accordingly. Um, you know, I kind of, I'm very proud of the fact that um, I did as much as I did while I was there, you know, and I didn't come in with, um, you know, any selfies with the boss or the internet, you know, going crazy about me getting signed. It's kind of, I built a fan base that still follows me to this day that still, 
um, supports me and buys my merchandise and shows up to see me at a show, which is it's really, really cool um, to me, at least, you know, that, that people are that passionate about what I've done. And obviously it goes hand in hand with WWE though, you know, without that platform, those people maybe never would have heard of me or never seen me in that light. So it's, it's just kind of cool that people um, still want to come out and support and, and get behind me. Definitely still very, very over and a lot, you know, a lot of people recognizing stuff, but Mojo Raleigh just got drafted uh, last week and, you know, he was an NXT for a while, former tag partner of yours. And then obviously you feuded with him as well. Thoughts on Mojo? Um, Mojo is exactly what you see on screen. He's uh, hmm. a million miles an hour. The volumes, I mean, they always say that the person you are in the ring is, you know, you with the volume turned up, but uh, Mojo Raleigh in, in everyday life, there is no more turning the volume up. Uh, I'm proud of him. I wish him nothing but the best. He's um, a, a good friend of mine, and uh, yeah, I'm really, really proud of him. Happy for him. Were you surprised? And all, the, and all those guys, guys and girls, I, I reached out to everybody that got drafted and, and got called up, and um, just to let them know, you know, like congratulations and stuff, because it's a huge thing. And unless you've been through that, I, I tweeted about it too. Like, unless you've been through that grind, you don't understand how real that struggle is. Like, you you can sit there and think that you get it, and um, or think you have an understanding of it. Unless you've gone through what everybody down there goes through, I don't even and I don't even want to say down there because you know they work just as hard as um, the people on Raw and SmackDown. But uh, if you if you've lived through it, lived through a developmental territory which NXT is now outgrowing, um, then you know just how real that struggle is. Which is very very classy move by you to congratulate all them. Which is you know it was really good to see on Twitter. Is there anybody that surprised you that got drafted? No, I mean, I think if it wasn't one of those people, there's, what, 60 or 70 others that are ready to go. You know, that's the whole point of that place is to be overprepared. And everybody down there is being prepared to be overprepared to go up. And, hmm. um, and again, I, I always catch myself saying go up because we're so used to developmental being like this thing that nobody talks about. And now it's its own brand. And even having lived through it, like you still get caught up in using that terminology. So it's funny to me. But no, I mean... There's people there that bust their ass every day and are going to get a shot, whether it's in WWE or a different company, but they're going to get a shot somewhere and they're going to succeed because they're overprepared for any situation that this industry or life is going to throw at them. Were you surprised like ever by how NXT got so over with the crowd? It almost became, you know, it's separate, almost like an indie where it became, you know, like a ring of honor almost where it became so popular and it was so separate from WWE, and it was making its own weight, and it was just, you know, so popular, and Brooklyn sells out, and this place sells out. Did it ever come to any shock to you, like, wow, you know, this is unbelievable how much NXT has gotten over? Well, I think we were all not shocked, but just surprised at how big it got and how quick it, it you know, how quick it, it took to get that big. Um, I think, um, you know, I don't know if, it's like a ring of honor. I think it's just a, a third brand. I think it's a third brand of the WWE umbrella, just like raw and SmackDown are now separate brands again. Um, obviously, you know, 10,000 people in Wembley stadium in London and, you know, 18,000 in Brooklyn. It's pretty cool. And to have been able to live through it and be there and be a part of that is something that I'll never forget. Takeovers. 
all both takeovers have been just been great shows, and they've been able to establish themselves as another brand, which is great. But if I can get back to you in NXT, I mean, you had a great run there. You think about it. What about a guy like Tyler Breeze that you team with and you faced? Is that a, you know, a fun experience down there wrestling a guy like that who would eventually end up being called up pretty soon thereafter? Well, yeah, I mean, I think just being down there with all those guys, but Breeze is a guy who is probably the most underutilized talent on that roster, if not one of them. Um, he's that good. And I've had some of my favorite matches with him. I think he's incredible. And um, I'm sure that with this brand split, he's going to get some more opportunities, and I already know he's going to take full advantage of it. I was also thinking of a guy like Ty Dillinger. Do you think he's a little bit, you know, kind of underutilized while he's there as well? Well, I think, um, I don't know if he's underutilized or just not in the right spot. Like, I don't know. It's it's just weird because he's he's able to get himself, you know, a great reaction from the crowd. But I just don't know if it translates with whoever sees or doesn't see something in him. Like, I don't know because I'm not in his shoes, you know. But I think um, – I know I've had – I had some really great matches with him over in the U.K., Um you know, I don't know if if he ranks them as high as I do in his book, but I had um, I had a lot of fun working with him and, and wrestling against him and sharing a locker room with him. And then I can't help but think of a guy you've wrestled recently on the Indies that you had a chance to wrestle in NXT. Obviously, you know, the match in the Indies was a little bit longer, but uh, Solomon Crow, a.k.a. Sammy Callahan, you like getting in the ring with him? Because NXT was kind of a little tease, and then you actually get to face him you know, in a longer match on the indie scene. Well, I mean, here's the thing. There's 70 people down there who are training to be the best of the best. And I don't think there's a time where you can get in the ring and dislike somebody because you're always learning something. You're always trying to get better. It's not like, you know, oh, um, I, you cannot like a match, but, you know, obviously if you're – get in there and locking horns with guys who are training to be the best and trying to be the best and striving to be the best, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna get better. So as long as you're getting better then I mean, you better like it or you're in the wrong industry. <laughs> well said for sure. And you know, a guy like Hideo Hitami who's coming back, you enjoy working with him? Cause he just was one of the most underrated guys, like just out there coming out of Japan and then coming to NXT and, and I had an unfortunate injury, but See one of the best you've been in the ring with? Well, I mean, with uh, with everything he's accomplished, I think he definitely ranks up there as, you know, just one of the best in the world. And that's why that's why he was signed. That's why he was put in that position. That's why he was put in the spot that he's in, you know. And I'm, I'm very happy. I know he had some setbacks with, with his uh, surgery and his injury. But, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy to see him back because he, he really deserves um, to be in that spotlight and that kind of stage totally uh, underrated guy from you know where I can see, but as far as you're concerned, you're in NXT, you go for a little bit of a heel turn, you turn on Mojo, and then you really start to get the ball rolling, and then you start squashing guys, then, you know, then the real, which I think was, a, a, you know, the great character of Bull comes out, is, you know, no nonsense, taking guys out, almost like an old school kind of uh, throwback wrestler a little bit. Do you rather play a heel, or would you rather play a face? Um, I guess it just depends on the crowd, and but as long as they're feeling what you're doing, then you know, does it really matter? You know, like it's it's one of those things. If they're into it, then they're into it. If they're into it, I'm having fun, and 
you know, if they're into it, then I live to see another day and so does my bank account. So I think to, <laughs> you know, no, I mean, really, if you look at it from that aspect, right. Cause I, I don't know if I can say, you know, I, maybe it just depends on my mood during, you know, depending on the day, maybe, you know, I'd be better fit for being a heel if uh, I was having a bad day or something. But um, I think as long as people are buying what you're doing, I mean, you're doing your job. That's true. And I really, I know, I like the old schoolness. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but your look, like even the tights seemed old school. Your kind of attitude was kind of an old school attitude. Was that something that you wanted to put the character, you know, have that kind of old school feel? Or is that something that they're telling you that's where they want to see the character headed in that direction? No, like I said, I didn't, you know, there wasn't a lot of involvement when I first debuted. It was a lot of just, hey, we like what he does in the ring. Let's put him on TV and then we'll figure out the rest. And it's everything that I did on TV was everything I had done the previous three years on the Indies. It was just me. And it is me. And, um, you know, like I said, I came up with the idea for the music. I came up with the name. I came up with everything I did. So, um, like, as far as, like, in the ring stuff. And, you know, obviously the coach is there to help you and try to, you know, try to change some stuff up. But, you know, the thing that people don't realize is, you know, sometimes it gets caught up with too many cooks in the kitchen or, one person wants you to wrestle a certain way, but there's eight different interpretations of that. So which one do you choose? And that's, that's where the, that's where the game comes into play, you know? And, um, but yeah, like I said, um, it was a lot of the stuff I was doing prior to it was, it was nothing new to me, which I think is why I felt so comfortable doing it. Does that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Now, you know, I know you were just saying the game, you know, kind of a joke, but it kind of made me think of triple H for a second. What is his kind of involvement down there? Is is he, I mean, obviously he's the main guy, but is he somebody you can go and talk to if you have an idea, or is he kind of someone that you don't really want to talk to because he's too busy? So I've worked a lot of jobs trying to, you know, be an independent pro wrestler and try to make it to WWE and, and make my dreams come true. And I've had a lot of different bosses at a lot of different jobs, and I can easily say that he's the best boss I ever had. If he had a million things to do, he didn't mind a million and one. If you asked him for a minute, he'd give you five. It's his baby, you know. It's, he's putting his heart and soul into it. You know, it's why. Why wouldn't he be all hands on deck? True, and as far as the creative process, is he somebody you go with? If you know, you still say, "Hey, I want to do this or I want to do that." Is he, is he the guy to go to, or is that somebody really, as far as you know, one of the writers? Well, you know, considering the fact that he's the head guy, I think he's the best source to go to if you got an idea. You know, I think it's, you know, where else is where else are you gonna go? You know, that's where, you know, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go hear what I what I need to hear from the horse's mouth, and I'm gonna go and ask my boss what he wants me to do. You know, what kind of business are we trying to do tonight? He's really, really done a great job at NXT. You know, obviously, you know really turned it into something down there. You had a little bit of a streak you know, on TV. You had a bit of a streak going, a little bit of an undefeated streak, squashing a lot of guys. But then, you know, then comes the Baron-Corbin feud. What are your thoughts on Baron? And did you enjoy working with the big man? Corbin's awesome, man. He's uh, He's got a lot of potential, I think. He's a guy like Mojo who's going to do really, really well um, now that he's up on the main roster. And I say main roster, but now he's, you know, SmackDown, that kind of stuff. Um, I just think for him, you know, the sky's the limit. And it's just a matter of when they want to really put a rocket going. 
but I think he's got a lot of potential. I think he's going to do great. How do you think about the way they've used him so far? Do you think they've used him enough, or do you think they're kind of, you know, doing slow build with him and slowly pushing him up? Well, I mean, I can't really talk about it because I'm not there in those creative meetings. I'm not behind the scenes, you know, orchestrating what he's doing. But I know um, for him, I'm sure it was a matter of, hey, we really want to do something big with this guy, but we're about a month away from, you know, the brand split. So maybe we'll just slow build until now. Now with smaller rosters comes a lot more TV time opening up for guys. And then they do the kind of strange thing with you. And I know uh, that you, you probably didn't like the gimmick, but they give you the bull fit gimmick, you know, a little bit of a more sports entertainment thing. They kind of turn your face. Did you enjoy doing that bull fit? Or is that something that you definitely was kind of against your character? You didn't really like doing it too much. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Everybody like just thinks that I didn't like doing it, like which is insane to me because <laughs> I had the easiest I had the easiest matches in the world and people were into it. Like, what was there to not like? And my check was clearing every week. Like, what you know? Why people? Just because you know maybe the the initial thought behind it was maybe a rib, but you know, like a lot of people I learned from, I learned how to make the rib work. So um, I don't think that. Uh, no, sorry about that. I, I don't think uh, people understand really that it was fun to do, and that I did get a kick out of it. And that uh, at the end of the day, I'm doing my job, you know. And if I was able to make people laugh or inspire somebody, which I get, you know, emails all the time from people, I would see people at meet and greets before NXT shows are like, "Hey, man, I lost 20 pounds." Like to take something that maybe was a jab at me and turn it into something like that, I think is cool. But maybe it wasn't a jab, because at the end of the day, if they didn't want me on their TV show, they could have just taken me off, but instead they kept me on and gave me something. You know, and I got to re-debut a character in front of 18,000 people in my hometown with my parents sitting in the front row. So, you know, what's, what what can I not enjoy about that? Awesome, and awesome attitude about it, because, you know, obviously with Dusty being, you know, one of your coaches at one point, obviously who better to kind of take the rib of the, the polka dots and, and turn it to something good and you turn bullshit into something that was entertaining and funny. And obviously, you know, you're on TV every week. Like you said, you're making sure that, that check cash But I was just a little nervous asking you because at first they were trying to say, oh, he's eating Doritos and he's out of shape. So then I was kind of thinking, I don't know how much he would have liked the, the bullshit character. Well, I mean, I think obviously, you know, like for me, I didn't maybe not, not necessarily care, but um, I, I don't just want to say I didn't care, but you know, um, maybe some people would have cared more about like there was, cause I know I was getting tweets about people saying, Oh, they're fat shaming him or they're body shaming. him." like, to me, I was just doing my job and doing what was asked of me. Um, and you know, you get handed something and you try to make it work and we made it work. And that, you know, I say we, cause it was me and the creative team and, you know, the coaches every day trying to come up with new stuff. You know, I spent a lot of time with all those coaches and they would all have different ideas and we tried everything out. And the cool thing was I've, started to realize that everything was working because everything we tried worked just because people liked the character. So it wasn't so much they liked, you know, a certain spot I was doing or something in the match. It was they they liked me. And that was when we started realizing that we we kind of had something with it. Definitely over. And, you know, you're facing Samoa Joe's of the world, who's one of the best out there, you know, mixing up with uh, Samson, 
and all these different guys, and Tommaso Ciampa and guys like that too, but were you shocked yeah, when you got released? Oh, yeah, actually, before I talk about the release, what, you know, what are your thoughts on Samoa Joe? Because obviously coming from the indie scene, he had quite a reputation coming into NXT. Joe's the man, and um, the only time I wrestled him was that one TV match. It was uh, the only couple minutes I'd love to be able to do it for you know a little longer next time, but uh, I have so much respect for him as a person, as a performer, and he's definitely one of my favorite people I've ever come across in wrestling. Like he's just, you know, I don't know. We we just clicked, and um, I felt like I got pretty close to him there right before um, I was let go. And I think that for him, for everything he's done, and as much as he's accomplished, I still think that this is just the beginning for him. And he seems like he's in phenomenal shape. He seems like he's at the top of his game somehow again, because we think all the five-star matches he's had before, it's impossible to say he's in the top of his game, but he really seems like he's headed really to that next level and just having amazing matches. Kind of waiting for him to get called up, or not, well, not called up, so to speak, but him to be put on Raw or SmackDown. Are you surprised that it hasn't happened yet, or do you think that he's doing such a good job carrying the NXT banner? Well, I mean, everywhere he's gone and been world champion, he has been the guy and he's been the right guy for it. Um, you know, I think it's just a matter of timing and when it's right. You know, if you take too much away from the top top of the food chain in NXT, you know, yeah, there's guys that can carry it, but what they're gonna have they're gonna have to take time to build those guys. So why not leave a couple guys behind for now? Then you can build new characters and then you can get the guys that were there out and then, you know, it's just circle of life. That's true, and if you want to get somebody over, who better to beat than, uh, you know, the world-famous Samoa Joe to get the guy over? So it, it is pretty smart to keep him down, especially with NXT growing and growing. You want to have that, that big name as, as your champ. Well, but, you know, I think it's just a matter of who, who the right guy is for that for the right time. You know, I don't know if it's necessarily, oh, we need a big name. I think it's just a matter of who's the guy to go with, right? Who's the... Who's hot? Who are people liking? Who who needs it? And Joe is definitely he's, he's the man right now. But you know, I was I mentioned it briefly, but you got released from NXT it was kind of shocking because if you really look at it, character was over. You're on TV pretty much every week, and you're winning all the house show matches. Basically, you know, you you you're not losing or anything. There's no sign of it. Were you absolutely shocked by your release from WWE? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. I didn't. Uh, I didn't see it coming. Did they ever give you a, a reason as to why the release happened? Not one. But hmm. you know what? Sometimes it's just sometimes it's just a timing thing. Sometimes it's a budget thing. Sometimes, who knows? You know. But it's it's it is what it is. It was what February of this year. So, you know, I'm I'm thinking about this weekend and next week and where I'm going and what I'm doing. You know, yeah, it sucks, and yeah, it wasn't on my terms, but the cool thing is everything I do now is on my terms. And you know, you're getting booked uh, two times a weekend, sometimes three times a weekend, you know, like you said, four Australia. Sometimes four or five. Yeah, sometimes four, yeah, that's true. I remember one weekend, uh, I forget where you were. You were in New York, then you were in New Jersey. I mean, it, it was it was crazy. It was just, you, you know, you were everywhere. Five and three days, like, Road Warrior, no big deal. <laughs> yeah. And it's almost one of those things where it's like, not, I wouldn't say blessing your release, but 
you were in WV, so you have that name value. So you kind of just take that with you and say, you know, I got some name value here. I'm really, really going to, you know, uh, you know, use it to my full advantage and do that and become that road warrior. Well, yeah, I mean, what you know, the worst thing I could do is just sit back and sulk about it. You know, I'm just going to smile and live my life and, you know, hey, I get to spend time with my family. I get to see all my friends. I get to make new friends. I get to meet fans. I get to play with my dog. I get to, you know, live my life the way I want to live it. You know, there's, you can't put a price on happiness. And I'm not saying I was unhappy there, but, you know, when you look at that schedule and that grind, you know, do I miss it? Yeah. Do I not miss it? Yeah. <laughs> Think about it, though, with, you know, with Raw and SmackDown and, and you know, them kind of bringing back some old stars is the rumor, you know, with the MVP rumor and Shel Benjamin rumor and uh, them looking at some guys recently. Would you, you know, be completely open to jumping right back to WWE or is it something where you'd like to wait and then go back eventually? Well, I think everything's timing, you know. Um, and there's a lot of things that I haven't done yet that I want to do. You know, if the timing is right and the terms are right, I would love to go back there. You know, I have a lot of friends there and people that I miss being around every day. So it's, you know, it'd be great to see some of them and, and you know, be with them on the road again. Um but at the same time, like I said, there's a lot going on for me now. And, you know, I was lucky enough to, to, you know, make some good investments while I was there to where now, like I can concentrate on some stuff outside of wrestling. And I think that's always the biggest thing is, you know, what's next, because uh, I said it earlier in our interview that, you know, we're not guaranteed tomorrow, you know, every match could be our last. So I'm not going to put all my eggs in one basket and um, I'm just, I'm fortunate and I'm grateful for the fact that I was able to get some stuff rolling outside of wrestling that I can now concentrate on while I'm still grinding and having a good time. And one thing that is interesting that I noticed after you were gone from WB and kind of a reason why I was thinking you didn't like the, the whole bullfit thing. I was just thinking about it. I know that you sold the bullfit stuff. Was there any, there wasn't any reason for that or, or you just decided just to get rid of it? No, I had, um, so I only had room in a four-door car to get all my stuff from Florida to New York. So anything I didn't need, I just figured, ah, well, if I can make some money off it, why not? At least it'll go to some, at least it'll go to somebody who appreciates it, you know, and instead of me just throwing it, throwing it out or giving it away to somebody who might not. Oh, okay. I guess, yeah, that's why I was like, I wonder, I guess he hated both of it, but yeah, I guess, I mean. That does make sense. You're moving from Florida to New York, or, or you know, back up, uh, back up north. Just rewind just a little bit because I do always curious, especially a guy from this area, from or you know, my I'm a New Jersey guy. I used to go to all the New Jersey Indies. You know, um, we've had on a lot of the. New I don't Jersey rewind, Indies man. We're only going stars. forward on this train. Just, just but I was just curious. Okay. <laughs> I was just curious about your past fun, with. Man. I'll, I'll get serious now. All right, serious. <laughs> I was thinking, like, your past with a guy like Taz. What was it like training with, you know, Taz, and what's your relationship with like, him today? Oh, he's a man. He, um, he's always looked out for me. He taught me so much and, you know, went to bat for me, you know, when I was having my tryouts for WWE and, and getting booked as an extra, you know. I'll, um, I'll always – you know, I'll always have such a huge amount of respect for him. And, 
Um, I love what he's been doing with his radio show. I think it's awesome. And the fact that he's been able to take something that he's passionate about and take his experiences with the wrestling industry, which is something he's very passionate about and turn it into something and turn it into a living now and something that he loves to do. It's, it's awesome, man. I'm really, really happy for him. And I'm thankful that I got to spend the time I got to spend around him and I'm thankful to call him a friend and to know that, you know, if I ever need anything, he's always there and, you know, vice versa. He knows if there's ever something I can do, which I'm sure, you know, uh, you know, I'm sure he's got it all handled, but you know, God forbid if anything came up, he knows I got his back. The Northeast guys got to stick together. You, you, you got to love that. With Taz, what was his kind of, what was his training like? Was he a real tough guy? Cause it seems like he'd be a very, you know, tough, kind of like fatherly figure where he's really going to get on you. And obviously he's an extremely tough guy as well. Well, I mean, he's a guy who commands respect and deserves it. And he should command that respect and he should get it. And, uh, but I, it was different than the House of Hardcore guys because, you know, from talking with Doring and Roadkill and Chetty, you know, I kind of knew what to expect going in. But when I talked to Taz before the, before the school started, he said, you know, I'm not training you from scratch, so it's not going to be like that. It's, you know, you're already in the business. You're already got a couple years in and have been having some experiences on the road. You've already paid your dues. So, you know, it's not going to be a, hey, come in here and I'm going to blow you up and beat you up. It's to polish you up because you're either somebody who could one day take the next uh, the next step or somebody who's ready now to take the next step. You just need a little bit of fine-tuning. Did he influence any of your kind of in-ring style? Because I know a lot of those awesome forearms that you did was kind of an old uh, homage to Taz a little bit. Did he have a lot of influence on your in-ring stuff? Well, sure. I mean, I think, you know, when you look at anybody that I've ever been around, they've influenced me in some way, shape, or form. You know, there's there's something – got to take something from everybody. And that's something I learned a long, long time ago when I first got in, into the industry was um, it's like baking a cake. And you get different ingredients from different people, but you gotta, you you have to feel it and you have to know it's right for you. You can't just be, Hey kid, do this. And then, okay, this is something I do now. It's Hey kid, try this. And then you try it and it works. Okay, cool. I'm keeping that. Or Hey kid, try this and it doesn't work. So, okay, let's throw that one to the side, but how can we make it better? So maybe it does work next time. Makes perfect sense. And a guy that you've also been, you know, kind of linked with in the past, what about Matt Bourne? Did he kind of train you, or was he early, early on in your training? He uh, he took me under his wing for a long time, and um, you know I I miss that guy every day because he was he was so positive and, and uplifting, and you know it's funny because I hear the stories about him when he was running, you know, during his prime, and people saying, "Oh man, he was crazy, and he was this, he was that," but um, you know I just uh, I just met Kevin Von Erich's sons for the first time in uh, Oklahoma last weekend. And we had such a good time, like sitting there and talking about Matt, like they didn't know Matt, but they heard the stories from their dad. And Kevin would always tell them, you know, that Matt was the legitimately one of the toughest guys he's ever been around. And to hear all these stories makes me laugh because the guy that helped me is a guy that was like gentle and kind hearted and very supportive and positive. And I think just, you know, maybe just the older he got he saw things a little differently and he slowed down a bit but at the same time he's also a guy that I would never cross because you knew what was coming but yeah uh, he's <laughs> awesome man he was he meant a lot to me and um I, I miss him every day of my life 
he, you know, from a fan perspective, he's totally underrated in ring. But, you know, just from reading stuff, his reputation is, is you know, that of a, somewhat of a scary guy. So I was just very curious about, you know, your relationship with him. But that's really cool that we saw, or you saw a completely different side of him. Yeah, and I mean, you know, as far as like in the ring and stuff, he obviously influenced me, and I got to wrestle him a bunch of times, and I'm I'm really really grateful for that. And uh, he would always tell me, "You get down to you get down to to Florida, you let them know a little bit of Matt Bourne lives on inside you." So it was, you know, I you know now it's ironic that he said it because I was with him, you know, a few days before he passed. But um, for him to say that, you know, and put his stamp on me the way he did, and publicly talk about me the way he did. Uh, it's, it's something that will always always mean a lot to me. Yeah, that's awesome, especially in getting that stamp from Taz and then getting it from Matt Bourne is just awesome. But as I Absolutely. start to wind it down a little bit here, i got to ask because you've wrestled everywhere. you wrestled some big-time names, even some guys that some fans are going to know now because of the uh, CWC, guys like Tyson Dukes and Tony Neese and, and you know, guys of that that nature and stuff. Do you have a favorite match or maybe a couple of favorite matches that you've had in your career? Um, I have a I have a bunch for a lot of different reasons. Um, too many to list, but there's always like a sentimental value I think to a lot of things. Um, obviously, since I've been back on the Indies, guys like Tyson Dukes, who I think is just phenomenal. I had you know such such a good time in Canada um, wrestling him and. He is incredibly underrated, and so is Tony Nice. But um, you know, I know Nice went a couple rounds into the cruiserweight classic, so I'm proud of him. Uh, Tyson Dukes should have also went a couple rounds in, but I don't have the pencil, so that's not my decision. Um, but both guys are just—they're incredible, man. And you know, I, but I—it's one of those things I've heard. You know, Tyson Dukes' name for years, and Tony Nice is a guy I've been around for years, and to see them finally get some due is—it's—it's it's good and it's refreshing that you know guys like that who can be workhorses for so long uh, can finally get get some sort of notoriety. Definitely awesome. And you definitely see some names out there on the indie scene that are getting in the CWC, which is really, really cool to see. I, I've been really uh, enjoying what I've been seeing so far, and even some old names being thrown in there, like Kendrick and Chijiri. So it's kind of a cool little uh, experiment they got going on over there. Yeah, there's... Uh... There's this Ibushi kid that's supposed to be pretty good from Japan. Kota Ibushi. Oh, yeah. He, excellent. He actually last yeah, I heard, year... I heard, he, I heard he's this uh, fiery, hot baby face coming in, you know, full of piss and vinegar, young kid, got a lot of potential. Yep. But, no, I actually had awesome. Matt... I've enjoyed watching it for a long time, and I think... See, it's funny, because with my friends, I can say that, and, you know, everybody laughs because they know I'm messing around, but then I'll say it on here, and then it'll be all over the Internet. Oh, boy, no, Bushi is. So, just have to clear that one up. I was going to say, he uh, matched the year last year against Nakamura, so uh, he's definitely uh, somebody to keep an eye on, for sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, I think sky's the limit for somebody like that with that much talent. It's hard to get denied. Do you ever get shocked by some of the guys that WWE does actually bring in, a guy like Nakamura or Austin Aries or Bobby Roode? Do you ever get surprised that, wow, they're bringing in, uh, you know, some pretty big names from outside companies that they've never really tried to bring in before? Well, no, I mean, you can't be surprised about people that are that good, you know, and people that are that talented because the cream always rises. There's nothing surprising about it. It doesn't surprise you as much as it makes you go, okay, i got to work a little harder now. 
And if I was if I wasn't working my hardest before, I damn sure better I'm gonna get pushed to the side. Well, there is that you know that rumor going around that they're like, oh, you can't go to TNA because then WWE won't sign you. Well, I guess that's completely out the window with the fact that they've signed. You know, Eric Young, Austin Aries, Bobby Roode, all, you see so many guys coming from TNA. Is that kind of, you know, dead? Is that like a dead issue as far as going to a, a company like that where WWE being quote-unquote against it? I think you just answered your own question. <laughs> <laughs> it was a rumor for a reason. It's obviously false. Yeah. I guess, yeah, I guess that did. You're true. <laughs> You're right. Um, but, you know, getting back to you, do you have – I know we've talked about some of your favorite matches, but do you have a favorite opponent or maybe a couple of favorite opponents, somebody you just click really well with, somebody you just, you know, you're dying to get in the ring with? Um, I think there's always going to be people I want to, you know, you want to wrestle, you want to prove yourself against. Um, for me, I want to wrestle Terry Funk before he finally calls it quits. Um, I want to wrestle Zack Sabre Jr. to prove to everybody who thinks I can't that I can hang with the guy who's supposed to be the best technical wrestler in the world. Um, I never got to wrestle Apollo Crews one-on-one. That's something I'd like to do. And, hey, how about Brock Lesnar or John Cena? Because they're the top guys in our industry, and if you don't want to be in the mix with the top guys, then why are you involved in all? That is a good point. A lot of people are uh, a little bit scared of Lesnar, especially nowadays, but uh, I think you would match up pretty well against them. Well, I'll give him a good fight. Give him all I got. Now, one thing, you know, we like to preface it as the, you know, the quote-unquote DDP question, because this is how a while back he kind of prefaced it to us. But five years from now, five years down the road, where do you see Bull James? Uh, okay, when we make that 10 years. No, I don't um, <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm just kind of – I'm taking things day by day now. Like, I'm – obviously, I have goals set and, you know – some within easy reach and some kind of out of reach, but you know, that's why they're goals and that's why you strive to, to reach them and achieve them. Um, I don't know. I'm just taking everything day by day and having some fun. Now I, I, I told you uh, a Saturday night, I love the new ring gear, the bruiser Brody, his style. Is it the influence from Brody? Well, I think, like I said before, it's like bacon and cake. There's a little bit from everybody. There's guys that, that I like that, you know, not that I'll steal stuff from, but that I'll I'll try to make my own, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Brody and Harley Race and Adrian Adonis, um, Killer Carl Cox, uh, just so many people, man. Like I I can't even name the amount of the amount of wrestling DVDs I have could probably fill up the performance center. <laughs> like it's I thought I was ridiculous. Dead. That's a lot. <laughs> well, I'm student of the game. That's uh, that's what it's all about, being a student of the game, and, and that's why you're succeeding, and that's why you will continue to succeed. But where can the great fans find anything and everything that they need for Bull James? Give me some of your plugs. Uh, Twitter.com slash at – yeah, slash at. That sounds good. Uh, Twitter <laughs> is at RealBullJames. Um, Instagram is TheBullJames. And I just opened up a brand-new online store – bulljames.bigcartel.com And don't forget about Pro Wrestling Tees. I know you sell a lot of Pro Wrestling Tees shirts. I do. You well. can get everything you need from Bull James at bulljames.bigcartel.com 
Nice, nice. Cole, thank you uh, so much for coming on. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.